you would, let's open our Bibles to Hosea chapter 14. Let's read verses 8 and 9. And you know when it refers here in our scripture to Ephraim, it's speaking of Israel. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. For me is thy fruit found. Who is wise and he shall understand these things. Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. And the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. As we come to the end of this this book of uh, Hosea, where our Lord sets forth his great love for his people. We saw last week he said that <clears throat> I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. And he does. That's the only way he can love anybody is to love them freely. It's not by merit. It's not earned. And to see how, he, how, it, how Israel, when we read about Israel and how she set forth, it's how she left her, it's like a woman leaving her husband and going after all these other men and she's never finds satisfaction. But she turns on one that was just so good and so gracious and so kind to her. But he never stopped loving her. His love was never altered. It never changed. If God ever changes in the least, he will cease to be God. I am the Lord, I change not. There's no shadow of turning with the Lord. And that's what we see all the way through this book, not just in Hosea, but this whole book is about God's everlasting love for his people and how he loves them in Christ. But she did go after her idols. She loved these idols. But he said here, what shall she say now? What, if I, what do I have to do anymore with idols? Basically, she said, I'm fed up with them. I'm sick of them. They promised me much and gave me nothing. They promised joy and it left me sorrow. Sorrow. Back in, I think it's in chapter 2, here's what she said. This is what she said then. I will go after my lovers that give me my bread, my water, my wool, my flax, mine oil, my drink. It was all about her, wasn't it? Mine, mine, mine. My bread, my water, my wool, my flax. They give it to me. You know, that's what idolatry is. We want, it's where we put our affections on something that makes us feel good about ourselves. because basically idolatry is worshiping self. It's all about me. And it's all about what these lovers can give me. But she didn't realize all those things that she had, it's what the Lord had given unto her. She said, I'm going to, I will. And that was her will to do, and that's what she did. I will go after my lovers. I will seek them out. That's what she said. And that's what we say apart from God's grace. Her idols maybe at one time gave her comfort. 
Bread and water, those are just common everyday things. She, they give me these things. My wool, my flax, my oil, my drink. Her idols were, her lovers were idol gods. Now, always remember, idols are not just some figurines, some statues, different things, or pictures or whatever that you put up. It's whatever we set our affections upon. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Anything that we set up, anything or anyone. That's why the Lord told Abraham, he said, Abraham, you take your son Isaac. And he's not, he's probably a teenage boy. He may be even older. You take him and you offer him as a sacrifice to me. It would have been awful easy to idolize that boy. To know, you know, how precious he was that God gave him this. And that's how we are. A lot of times we take what God has given us and we set our affections upon. We, we love the gift more than the giver. <clears throat> she was determined, Ephraim, Israel, us, to go after him. Nothing standing in our way. This is what we will do. And you know, everybody will do what they want to do. The, prob- the problem is, it's our will. That's the whole problem. She's determined to have them. And what a sad picture of all men by nature. The things, the effort that men put themselves through and suffer just to go to hell. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses soul? Here you see everybody, it's like everybody's running as hard as they can run toward destruction. They don't see it. They're determined to have it. Whatever, whatever it is, we're determined to have it and never get it. Always just, it's like the prodigal son. He thought, well, he thought it's in the far country. I'm sick and tired of my daddy. I'm sick and tired of this life. I'm tired of being under his thumb. I want to be where I'm the one that decides what I do with my life. And what did he do with it? Made a mess out of it. And what he did with his life, he wasted it. Wasted it. Unless God does something to stop us. Unless God does something to stop men. They will wind up being separated from him. Unless he does something. Like Ephesians chapter 2. We were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God who is rich in mercy. You better hope God butts in one day and said you've gone far enough. You've gone far enough. And that's what he did. God did for Ephraim. What did God do? He said in chapter 2, verse 6, Therefore, she wants to go after her lovers. And you know what? His love will stop her. His love won't let her go. You better thank God a million times he stops you from doing what you want to do. 
Behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. She's looking for them, but she can't find it. She shall follow after her lover. She shall follow after him. It's like she sees it just a little bit out of distance, and she's following them. But she won't overtake them. She shall seek them, but she's not going to find them. And then shall she say, then, after she can't find all those things that she wanted, then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. Now, who is that? That's him. For then it was better with me than it is now. Always seeking something, and never—it's like—it's like the carrot on a stick in front of a horse. It just—it's—it's it's dangling out there in front of it, but it just never can get it. You know, it's just all—it always sees it. It's like there—there there has to be more. No, it all ends in emptiness. Because he said in chapter four, verse seventeen, Ephraim is joined. To idols, let him alone. Israel was joined to idols, but even in God's grace, he, he may seem to have left them alone for a while. And there's some people he does leave alone. You think about that. He just leaves them alone. Never crosses their path, just leaves them alone. They may hear the gospel and it has no effect on them. You know why? He just leaves them alone. Leaves them alone. The same people that would determine to keep on going after their idols. Now, this, this is not somebody else. This is the same person. But what I want you to see, something's happened. Something's changed. Their, their speech has changed. Their attitude has changed. They're not seeking after lovers anymore. She says, I ain't having nothing to do with them idols anymore. I am sick of them. That which she once loved, she's sick of it. If we, could, if we had this morning the prodigal son and he stood here and, and if you asked him, do you want to go back to the far country? He'd say, no, I'm sick of that place. Do you want to go back to religion? Do you want to go back to works? Do y'all want to go back to that? Most of us, that's where we came from. Why would we want to go back to that? There's nothing there. Our Lord was walking one day, and I see a whole crowd of people following him. And his, and his disciples were right there, I think, by his side. And he said something that offended these people, and they just turned and walked off. And he looked at the disciples and said, would you leave also? And they said, where are we going? You have the words of eternal life. There, listen, there's nowhere else to go. But how did this change, how did this change come about? You, it's not by beating someone over the, law, over the head with the law. They had the law. They had broken the law, no question about that. First one. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Oh, they had broken these commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. They had broken those, the law. They had broken the law. 
You know what they need? They need mercy. They need grace. And that's what changes. You now y'all can whoop a, a person into subjection and you can you can teach a child and try to constrain a child, but when they get older, without going into details, I don't know if any of y'all saw it, it was on the internet where a ten year old boy, ten years old, took his mother's life because she wasn't order what he wanted on Amazon. And they're gonna charge him as an adult. Said he had no remorse whatsoever. None. Ten years old. They said when he was four years old, he was uncontrollable then. It's in telling how mean and vile a person would get if God leaves him alone. I thought about that that young or man. Uh, well, he wasn't a he wasn't a man. He was a boy when our Lord came off the Mount of Transfiguration. And his father brought his son to the disciples and said, would you cast these demons out of my son? And they couldn't. And our Lord came and said, how long did this come upon him? He said, from a child. But the Lord set him free. How can, the disciples couldn't set that boy free. The law can't set that boy free. All the law can do is condemn him. That boy's going to be sentenced just like an adult. What's this, what's, what can change him? Grace. You mean somebody like that changed you? That gathering was, he was a wild man. Running around in the tombs, living among the tombs, living among the dead. And the Lord cast him out. And you know what? You see him sitting at the Lord's feet, clothed and in his right mind. You know what happened? That's what grace does. Grace changes people. Grace doesn't change, but grace does the changing of people. He said, I will love them freely. And I will heal their backsliding. That ain't, uh, I may be healed their backsliding, and I may love them freely. Where's the, how do you see the love of God? It's going to be manifested. If God loves you, he's going to display, and it's going to be displayed. How? God will change you. It's love that changes. It changes your, your mind, your reasoning, your understanding. It, it brings about repentance. It changes. Changes. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Our Lord said, I make all things new. You mean he can take someone that loves something so much and make them hate it? Yep. He has to. That that you once loved, now you will hate. And that that you once hated, now you love. And only grace can do that. Before, we were in love with self. Now what do you see about self? Oh, wretched man that I am. I am less than the least. I'm not just the least. I'm less than the least of all men. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? That's what grace does. Grace shows you that there's nothing there in you to love. So how can God love you? He loves you freely. There's a change that's been brought about. And I tell you this, it is such amazing 
to watch God change people. I love to watch it. It's like going out to a garden and watching it grow. You just you go out and you don't say nothing. And just watch them. Now there's now there's now they're a little interested. Now they're a little more interested. Now they now they show a little more interest in there. There's just something different. You know what it is? It's grace. Changes them. Let's look at the character of the change and then the cause of the change. No matter how many idols they had, and they had a lot of them, all the nations around them had different gods, different idols, and they were never satisfied. Why can't they satisfy? Because a dead God cannot satisfy. They have ears, they hear not, they have eyes and they see not. We are born with a void inside, and nothing can fill it but the grace of God. Nothing. The song satisfied all my life long I have panted for a drought from that clear spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the fire I felt within. Hallelujah, I have found him where he found me. He satisfies our soul. Oh, when God makes someone sick with their idols, sick of them. When you really see what they are, who they are. Ephraim didn't say, I should like to worship idols, and I'm just not going to. She didn't say, I would like to set up graveyard images, but I'm just not going to do that. She said, what am I to, what, what have I to do anymore with them? I'm not having anything else to do with them. I'm not. As I've already mentioned, 1 John 2, 15, love not the world. The world system, the world philosophy. Neither the love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. No man can serve two masters. Who was her master before? It was her false lovers. She bowed to him. She worshipped him. If you worship an idol, you give yourself to it. You give of what you have to those things because that's what you worship. You make sacrifices for your idol, whatever the idol is. Listen to this. Uh, from John Newton. Let worldly minds the world pursue. It has no charms on me. Once I admired its trifles too, but grace has set me free. Its pleasures now no longer please. No more content afford. Far from my heart be joys like these. Now I have seen the Lord. As by the light of opening day, the stars are all concealed. You go out like this morning and it's so crisp, every star is so brilliant, but when the Son of God comes up, they just disappear. They're still there. You can't see them for His glory. 
The stars are all concealed. So earthly joys just all fade away like the stars when Jesus is revealed. You know what would make a man turn loose of his idols? When he sees Christ. You've heard me tell the story. I'm going to tell it again. I think it actually happened. You that don't know that Brother Marvin, his parents used to own a restaurant in Louisiana. And uh, they run it for years, very successful. And they said they were in there one day. And you know how people go out and eat after, after church on Sunday. And this little boy, he had one of them little, you remember when they used to have them little ears of corn? And they would just roll them in butter. They'd just sit there and turned all the time. This little boy, he doesn't eat all the kernels off the cob. Mm, he's just a suck in the cob, you know, and he won't turn it loose, and they're ready to go. And he won't even turn it loose to put his coat on. And I think it was Marvin's daddy said, well, just wait a minute. He goes up to the cash register, and he picks up a Snickers bar. And he comes back and holds the little Snicker bar out to the little boy. And you know what the little boy did? He dropped that corn cob. If you ever see Christ, you'll drop the old dead, greasy corn cobs of this world. Because when you see him, oh my goodness, he's altogether lovely. He is my beloved. His mouth is most sweet. Oh, when you see him, the things of the earth grow strangely dim. That's what, that we once found joy in. It's, it's just a drudgery now. Where's the joy? It's lost its luster. But he hadn't. But that's what happened. She'd got her attention over here. And now she remembers her lover, her Christ, who died for her. And that's, why would I love this idol? Look at it. It's, it's ugly. It's defiled. It's wicked. It's nothing but sin. He's the father of lies. Ephraim saying, I'm done with all these idols. And you know what we say? I wished, and I believe every believer would say this, agree with me, that by grace we wish that we were totally done with sin. Sin is deceitful. It's deceitful. Mr. Cowper, who wrote, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Here's what he said. The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. The dearest, dearest, you think Isaac, he was probably dear to Abraham, wasn't he? You know he was. He was his only son. Lord said, I want you to take him and offer him up to me. He didn't wait around. He got up early the next morning and they started packing. It took him three days to get there. And when Abraham took his servants and they're standing there and he said, me and that boy, we're going to go yonder and worship. And we're both coming back. But in his heart, he sacrificed that son. Our Lord said, if you love your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your spouse, your children, your own life also, he said, you cannot be my disciples. 
imagine when our Lord was there in that ship that day with Peter and Andrew and James and John. And when the Lord told them to cast the net on the right side of the ship and the whole ships were just full of fish, they come to the shore and Peter falls on his face and he said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinful man. He said, Peter, from here on, you're going to catch men. And they forsook everything. The father, their boats, the, the fish, and they turned their backs on it and left it. What make a man do that? He's seen somebody. If you ever see, if you ever see him, you want to see more of him. Tell me about him. Don't tell me how good I am. I know that. I know how bad I am. That's part of my badness. We think we're good. That's our worst badness. Let every idol go. Someone I thought about was, uh, I think it was King Hezekiah. Remember the brazen serpent that Moses put up on the pole and they were to look and live? It was just a piece of brass. But Israel had got to the place they were looked at it as more than a piece of brass. They looked at it with some superstition. That's what it is. It's all superstitious. And you know what he did? Can you imagine this? Hezekiah took a hammer or something and started busting it up all to pieces and ground it up. He said it's nothing more than just a piece of brass. They go, oh, look what he's done. Can you imagine if they drained the Sea of Galilee and filled it full of dirt and said we're going to start building houses on it? Or if they went in there what they told, thought was the tomb was at and said we're going to bulldoze this down we're going to do, we're going to build a shopping center here. People think there's something about those things. There's only something about one person, and that's Christ. Anything else is an idol. And the only way you're going to see Christ, the only way you're going to see him is with the eye of faith. We're not looking at images and pictures and all these things. We see even in here, God gave us a picture of a man and his wife and his wife running around on him. We see the picture. We would have said, let her go. I'm tired and I'm sick and tired of her. She wants her lovers, just let them have her. I'm sick of her. That ain't what he said. He said, she's my wife. I chose her, I loved her, I ordained her, I redeemed her, and I'm going to have her and nobody else. You know what that is? That's God's love for his people. And when I'm done, she's going to be sick of her lovers. And when she comes back, she'll come back willingly. Willingly. You know how we come? Willingly. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. Is there any lust? Is there any passion? Is there any joy? Is there any desire? If there is that is not according to the mind of God, take it away. But change can only come. Now listen to me, you can't make yourself 
not love those things. It's impossible. But he can. He can. He took an old man like Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. People hated him. Because they were worked for they were the Jews, but they worked for the Romans. And if they if the Romans set the taxes for twenty dollars a year, Linda, when they come to your house, he said, "I'm going to charge you forty. And you knew it was wrong. You knew exactly what he was doing, but there wasn't anything you could do about it. He'd go, "Well, I just forget about him." You know why he did that? Because he wanted to, and because he could, and nobody could stop him, and you couldn't stop him, and the Romans didn't care as long as they got their twenty bucks. But one day he heard that Jesus was coming. And this man climbs a tree like a little boy. What would make a man act like that, Grace? Why is he climbing climbing a tree? Because he can't see our Lord any other way. He's a small man and he can't see him for the crowd. And he's intended on seeing him. If you had a desire to see him, I don't care what tree it was, you'd climb up in it. This church is the tree that God has provided a place where you can climb and see Christ in his glory. And Zacchaeus is up in that tree, and I can see him going, where's he at? Where's he at? I want to see him. What does he look like? Well, he's going to look like every other Jew. He's going to be dressed like every other Jew. He's not going to stand out in the crowd. He's not walking around with a halo around his head. He looks like every other Jew. Man, he's looking around, and somebody says, Zacchaeus? Come down. You know when he knew who he was? When he spoke to him. You know what Zacchaeus did? Man, he come down that tree. He said, I'm going to your house. You coming to my house? Nobody wants to go to my house. My house that I was probably built on the backs of other people. Nobody wants to come to my house. He said, this day salvation has come to your house. And you know what Zacchaeus said? The Lord never commanded him to do it. He said, if I've robbed any man, I'm going to restore it fourfold. Fourfold. So, so Linda, he took 20. He's going to bring you back 80. <laughs> Can you imagine when he walked up on somebody's step and he did that, they go, something happened to that man. That man's changed. That man changed. Grace changes men. Israel said this of her own will. God's made her willing. Old writers had this saying, God must wean us from our idols. It was the hardest things for children that when or children when they are not on bottles but they're on the breast is when they get to a point they have to be weaned. And even if it's not, if it's weaning them from a bottle or weaning them from a pacifier. I remember Erica, she was she was about five she was five years old and still hanging on that pacifier. It was so funny, she'd have one and it had the little end on it, and she'd do this like here and break it off. She didn't want it on. And she'd hide it. And I said, Erica, you you're getting ready to start school. You can't be going to school with a pacifier in your mouth. But what I'm saying, why did she like that? She loved that little pacifier. We have a lot of pacifiers, don't we? And the Lord just weaned her, weans us from it. And now you don't see her walking around with a, with a pacifier in her mouth. She's been, but she has been weaned. Now you don't. Now you expect that of a child. 
We all have pacifiers, and the Lord has to, and I'm thankful that he weans us from those things. He does grow us up. Because you know what a pacifier is? Just something you suck on. There's no milk in it, no liquid in it. It's just you might get a little contentment from it. And you might have to wear braces one day if you suck on it. <laughs> but he weans us. And then we're said, well, I'm thankful. And these things, they gradually get a hold on you, what they do. Gradually. We don't, and here's the thing. We don't want to give them up. Erica didn't want to give that up. She just didn't. But she finally did. She saw something more important. We have to see the vanity in those things. Why, why, you think, why would we do that? That's who we are unless God changes us. And it's a re- and it's a real change. It's a real and it's a lasting change. Now I know we may see and go back. She did. That's what meant she's backslid. I, <coughs> I will heal their backslidings. I put my own name here in my notes. I put what do I, Mike Walker, have to do with idols? What am I doing playing around with idols? Don't say what has my parents. What does my parents have to do with idols? No, it's not about them. What do you have to do with idols? No, it's about me. What do I have to do with idols? (coughs) If the whole family runs after their idols, we're not. Most of my family, and if you would, probably admit if your family's like most everybody's families they're running after idols that's what they're living for they live to retire and then what that's what they're living for they're running for these things running after these things but let me share this with you we are born alone And we'll die alone. The song says, "'Tis done, the great transaction's done. I am my Lord's and he is mine. He drew me and I followed him. Charmed to confess the voice divine, high heaven that heard that solemn vow, that vow renewed shall daily hear till in life's last hour I bow and blessed in death a bond so dear the change is real it's real and you know you know who did the changing what have I to do with them what, what, what do we have anything else to do Like whether, it's not just the idols it's the whole thing that has to do with the idols it's, it's where they worship the, the, the preachers, the songs the whole thing what do we have to do with idols <coughs> This is a true change. They have already turned from the idols. God granted them repentance. 
we have all had far too much to do with idols and sin. If God ever converts us, we'll never be unconverted. If it's just a decision and there's never been a change, it's just an outward change, it's not a change of heart, it won't last. It won't last. If somebody can win you with something, somebody else with something different will win you and turn you that way. Listen to this. When God begins his gracious work, that work he will complete. For round the objects of his love, all power, all power and mercy meet. Man may repent him of his work and fail in his intent. God is above the power of change and he never can repent. If God is determined to save you, I can tell you this, by the authority of God's word, he's going to change you, he's going to convert you, and he's going to keep you. Each object of his love, he's sure, to reach the heavenly goal. For neither sin nor Satan can destroy the blood-washed soul. The Bible says people come doing many wonders and great works and all these things, and people are deceived by it. People are wrapped up in emotions and things. and you, Sometimes you may not feel any emotion. And people look to those things. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. The only thing worth believing is God's word. But it's Christ. Our salvation is an everlasting everlasting salvation. He that has begun a good work will finish it. It's not halfway done. He's going to finish it. When he's done, Now, I know that you are sanctified. I know that you're declared righteous. You are justified in his sight. And in his sight, you are perfect. But you know you still have a sinful body. But one day, he's going to change your vile body. He's going to do what? Change your vile body. And it's going to be changed like his glorious body. And you're going to be just like him. And you're going to stand before him faultless. And he's not going to stop till that happens. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Sheep follow his voice. He said, a stranger you won't follow, but goats will follow a stranger. They'll follow a hireling. He said, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect of God. If you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water, our Lord said, that I shall give, he'll never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What does that mean, preacher? If God ever opens your eyes, you'll understand. If you've ever drunk, drank, or whatever the right word is, from that well, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what I'm talking about. You need something. It's like my mouth is dry right now. I need some water to satisfy my thirst. And we, our soul longs for him. There's only one that will satisfy it, and that's him. He said, you drink of these wells, you, you'll thirst again. You'll thirst again. When a person is truly converted, he says, what do I have to do with idols? I know someone now, I, I believe God's wrought a work of grace in their heart. I see some signs, hopeful signs, and nobody didn't say anything about you need to do this or do that. God teaches his children, and we instruct them from the word. But they start getting rid of these things. They said they don't mean nothing anymore. Used to love to go hunting and had several hundred acres of property. You know, that's, you know, had it for 20 or 30 years. And he said, I just, I just don't, you know, I, I still enjoy doing these things, but it just, it just don't have the thrill it once did. You know why? He's seen somebody better. Seen someone better. Had anything he could have ever wanted. And it's all empty. Or just swing it away. And he did, and and he don't pry his hand away from it. He just, you literally, really, you just turn it loose. Well, we want to grasp it, don't we? We want to hold on to it, and we just—it's all his. You're his. I'm his. And I don't want to turn you loose, and you don't want to turn me loose. But we're here. But we're in one day. We're going to leave each other. We're going to leave and we'll be alone. But really, we won't be alone. Because <laughs> he said, I'll never leave you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art It's just, you know why? It's just the shadow. The shadow can't bother you. We have the substance. We're not, we're worshiping a, we're not worshiping a figment of our imagination. Now, that is, that is an idol. We worship in Christ. I hope that's a help. We didn't get through there. We'll we'll finish up there next Sunday, Lord willing.